Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundations. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders. Well, welcome to the podcast today. It's great to have you with us. My guest today is Honorina Kreisman, and Honorina has been with us before uh, in our TV show, First Century Foundations, also was a, a big part of our documentary series, The Miraculous Victories of Israel. And uh, Honorina is going to talk today about the significance of Jerusalem in the Bible. She is the Uh, founder and director of Align with Zion, an organization that helps to educate and orient us toward the heart of Israel by helping us better understand the three important pillars found in the Bible, the people of Israel or the chosen people, uh, the city of Jerusalem or Zion, the chosen place, and the Jewish festivals, the the chosen times. Honorina is an Orthodox Jew and uh, was married about a year ago. We know her as Honorina Haman, but uh, Honorina Great to have you with us today. Welcome back. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you for having me again and looking good. We've all been through quite a a year, and uh, it's good to keep on with speaking about Israel because it's the focal point of what God is doing. And thank you for you you and the audience also to to allow us to to connect to these things and to see how what, what God is showing us in the Bible, what it means what it meant and what it means for us today as well. Thank you. Well, it's our pleasure and uh, and great to have you with us again. Uh, we wish it was in person, of course, but all in good time. Now, Honorina, we're talking today about the significance of Jerusalem in the Bible. And so I'm going to ask what seems to be, to me and probably to you, a very obvious question. But for those who are listening in, you know, I think sometimes um, when we read Jerusalem in the Bible, a lot of Christians, at least, would would skip over the, that thinking it's a you know it's a geographical place in the history, but um, you know maybe doesn't have a whole lot of significance today. So, is uh, Jerusalem uh, an important city in the Bible? And and if it is, then then how how so? Okay, so let's start with the name of Jerusalem. We know that. Um, for God and in the Bible, your name means everything. It tells you about your mm-hmm. essence. We also know through the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, that's how God created the creation. So if we can get into the name of Jerusalem, it will tell us also how to connect to her and how to approach the, the whole concept. So, and that's, uh, let's start in Genesis. They start at the very beginning. And that's when we have Avram, Abram, that met with Melchizedek. Um, everybody knows that story. Uh, we also know that he gave him a tithe. He actually um, uh, came to meet him in the valley, which is Emek Shaveh. In, in the Bible, it says he met him in the valley at the bottom. And Jeff, you and I were there when you came to visit. Yes. And we were actually standing in that valley. Um, Emek Shaveh means the valley of equality. Uh, and we also know that the, later on when the tribes came up, uh, after Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, when they came, when we settled the land, um, everybody had to bring a half shekel coin. Rich, poor, doesn't matter who you were, everybody were equal, equal before God. So Jerusalem, in the first place, has, um, in its essence, it, it, it equals people out. Everybody stands as equals before God, even in the times when um, Abram met with Melchizedek. 
But then after that, uh, or during that time, we know that Melchizedek was the king of um, Salem. But when you speak Hebrew, it is Shalem. So most of our listeners know the name, the word Shalem, because it sounds very much like a word that we all know, Jeff, and that would be Shalom, Shalom. right? Yes, yes. That's it. So what does the name Shalom mean? The Shalom, people think this is how we greet people in, in Israel. Um, but Shalom actually, and every time when we hear it, we hear it means peace. But it's not really what it means. Um, peace is a very shallow uh, description of, of what the word Shalom is. Shalom means to be whole, wholeness, balance. So um, it brings a holistic balance into your life. So if, if I greet you with shalom, it means I, I wish upon you to be the best that you can be, that God made you to be, to be in that wholeness, to be in that balance. So that's the word shalom. And that's where Melchizedek was the king of, the, the king of the city that later became the city of David. So that's the first, that's, that's one of the parts. Afterwards, um, in Genesis 22, we know that there is the sacrifice of Yitzchak, it didn't happen. God replaced um, it with a ram. But at that moment, Avram, Abram, called the place Hashem Yireh. Now, many times in, in the English translation is Jireh, which doesn't make sense at all. But Yireh, what does it mean? It means will make manifest or will see. And God also says to the, to the Jewish people, three times a year, you will be seen on this mountain and you're not going to come empty handed. But also, Yireh means God will be made seen. So now we have to, the two parts of Jerusalem because it's Yireh Shalem. Yerushalayim is Yireh Shalem. So this is where we know that the wholeness of God will be manifested on this mountain. Or mm. on this mountain, you will see wholeness. And that's why Jerusalem is so important. We know in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 15, it says what, what is, was, and what will be, um, was. So here we, we learn a little bit about Jerusalem um, in the past and in the future. So this is Yerushalayim. Um, the fullness, the fullness of God will be seen or peace will be manifested on this place. Very, very important because the place never changes. We know that many times people are trying to change places now for political reasons. That will never change because God said, I will choose this place. And on this place where I choose, this is where things are going to happen. But the interesting thing is this Yerushalayim appears 660 times in the Bible. Six times it appears as a different name that we know it as today, Yerushalayim. Now, just as a side note, that means that we have, um, sorry, 605 times. So it's 665 times that Jerusalem appears in the Bible, in the Tanakh. In the Quran, how many times does Jerusalem appear? Zero. Jerusalem mm -hmm. does not appear in the Quran. So if anybody claims that they have a history, there is, there is no proof from any other side. Um, and that is important for people that would like to do advocacy. But let's get back to the name Yerushalayim. What's the difference between the name Yerushalayim and Yerushalayim? There's a Yud. It's the smallest letter in the alphabet is now chucked in between the end letters. And suddenly something happens. Suddenly Jerusalem becomes plural. In Hebrew, a name was name Yerushalayim. It means that there are two. And this is very important, um, Jeff, because there is a Jerusalem on earth 
and there is a Jerusalem in heaven. And these two correspond with each other. But we know right now that there is a disconnect between these two. That's why mm. in Psalms 122, first it says that um, we have to have the city needs to be knit together. This means that the heavenly um, Jerusalem and the earthly Jerusalem has to be um be knitted together again, needs to be reconnected, unified. Unification, you will hear it in everything, that God's name is one, that Jerusalem needs to be one. And that's why the same psalm says, Shalom Yerushalayim, pray for the wholeness of Jerusalem. So when we pray from now onwards, we need to understand that we need to pray for these two to be connected. Jerusalem has never been replaced. There's not a new Jerusalem or an old Jerusalem. There is an earthly Jerusalem and there is a heavenly Jerusalem. And even more interesting, Jeff, it says that God has never entered the heavenly Jerusalem. Why? Because he said, I will not enter the heavenly Jerusalem until I can enter the earthly Jerusalem again. Now, this is where you come in, Jeff, because you've been to the city of David, you've, you've seen what happens on Temple Mount. It means that we lost the city and slowly but surely we need to rediscover her. And that's why Isaiah says, shake off your dust, rise and take your rightful place, O Jerusalem. So for these two to be reconnected, we are in the process of prophecy where the excavations in Jerusalem right now is um, shaking off her dust. Now, just one more thing, which is the root of shaking is actually the root of, of youth. And that means Jerusalem will, will renew her youth in the days coming. So much to say about that. Let's just see one more thing about Abram that we can learn. It says when God made the creation, through all of the creation, nine-tenths of beauty was given to Jerusalem. It means everything else that you see in creation got another 10%. Can you imagine how beautiful the city actually is and what she will be when she becomes mm. a praise to the earth at the end. Now, why, why am I putting Abram, Abram in this? When he came and he, he met with Melchizedek, he gave a, a tithe. He gave a tenth. And this is where we know that we are partnering with God to bring the fullness of the beauty of Jerusalem at wow. the end of days. And like Abram, through who, which, whom all the nations will be blessed, he started it. We need to finish it. So I want to also challenge the, the viewers to, to, and the listeners that there is much to be done and how we approach Jerusalem and what she stands for has everything to do with that. He started it and we need to finish it. And uh, that really kind of brings me to this next question. I mean, that's a, a wonderful uh, setup for us in terms of understanding the amazing history of the city of Jerusalem, even before it became a city, long before it became a city, when, uh, when Abraham was there. So we know Jerusalem is significant in the Bible. We've established that. And... Um, uh, this this idea of two Jerusalems, uh, I, I have to say that's really I think the first time I've heard you say about 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 uh, two Jerusalems in in terms of um, the earthly Jerusalem and the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, wonderful thing that that comes out of uh, the Tanakh, right? 
Yeah, and in her name, God gave her that name. So, yeah. so he has built into her the significance of these two and what she ultimately has to be, it has to happen again. Correct. Amazing. Amazing. So then talk to us today about why Jerusalem is relevant in, in our time. Why is it relevant today? I mean, we, we've been to the city of David. I think that's where I first met you. You were actually, uh, you know, working there at the time. You took us through and, and talked to us about that incredible, incredible site. And by the way, once it's possible, if you're listening, watching, you need to get to Jerusalem. You need to go and actually see these things. But uh, I'll never forget you talking about that, that verse, you know, shaking off the dust and what was sort of being revealed um, in, in the moment when we, were, when we were talking and what's still happening there. I mean, since that day, so much more has been uncovered uh, in the city of David. But talk to us why Jerusalem is significant today. Why is it relevant to, to Christian believers? Why is it relevant to Jews today? So um, I think most of the answers we will find in Zechariah, Zechariah, and I just want to show the, the listeners and the viewers a, a few things there. If you go to Zechariah 1, now the numbering in the Tanakh and in the, the, the Old Testament of the um, uh, Christian Bible, the numbering is a little bit different, but we will find it. So let's go to the first. The first one is, is still the same. Um, in, in, in uh, the first of uh, uh, Zechariah 1, God sends out horsemen. They roam the earth. He says, what's going on? They come back. They say, everything is at peace. And God is not very happy. He says, hmm, I'm not very happy with this. Then he speaks about, and I just want to read this. He says, um, God, uh, firstly, there's a 70-year process here. He says, oh, Lord, how long will you withhold pardon from Jerusalem and the towns of Judah, which you have placed under a curse for 70 years? Now, we have just passed that 70 years, and things started to really shake. And you, we, uh, people know what's happening right now. Um, it's going to mm -hmm. get worse, Jeff, but we know this also. We just have to stand fast in what God is showing us. But the 70 years has passed, and now God is starting to move. Why? Because it's written here. Then God replied with kind, comforting words to the angel. And he says, I'm very jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. Um, then he speaks about the nations that overdid the punishment on the Jewish people and on Jerusalem. That is also very important because in Isaiah 40, we say that Jerusalem paid double for her iniquities. So that is done right now. So how is this going to come back and what do we need to uh, make of that? Um, and this is where the last verse in my chapter one, it says, for the Lord will comfort, again, comfort Zion and he will choose Jerusalem again. Okay, so every time this comes to Jerusalem, was there, we lost her, but he chooses her again. Then we go on, and um, there is, um, in the next um, um, chapter, a little bit different from the numbering again, but we have that verse that says, be silent all flesh before God, for he has risen himself from his holy habitation. That, that's, that's ominous, that, that something's coming. So the mm. question is, what is the thing that moves God to get up from his throne and to move? If you go to the verse just before that, and, and unfortunately, also some of the verses have been switched in, in the Old Testament, uh, in the Christian version. But according to the, the original um, order, what comes just before that verse, it says the Lord will take Judah for himself as his portion, portion in the Holy Land, and he will choose Jerusalem again. So the thing that moves God... <laughs> 
to, to, to move in the world is, is Jerusalem. It's the pivotal point. And then the next chapter is about the high priest that was in filthy clothing. And God said, take it off. Let's put some new things on. He's forgiven. And, and again, God re rebukes the Satan, the, the devil. And he says, how does he rebuke him? He says, God rebukes you, the one that chooses Jerusalem. So even the way that God will deal with the negative forces in the world, everything has to do with Jerusalem. So for the Jewish people, three times a day, we face Jerusalem um, and Israel from all over the world. When we're in Jerusalem, we face Temple Mount. The same mm -hmm. that Daniel did. Daniel did it. So it, and, and he paid. He went to the lion's den because... He just faced Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine if all of us that believe in the Bible, that knows that Jerusalem will play a pivotal point, will put all our focus together when we pray. Force Jerusalem, the force that we create against the negative forces that wants to come um, against the world, against the Jewish people, against the believers of the Bible. All of this, very important. And we're going to have to bring... Um, um, our, our, our hearts and our powers together to do that. Jerusalem, again, the focal point. Now, just again, why Jerusalem and why can't we shift this? Because many people want to shift it, um, Jeff. People want to build the temple somewhere else. They want to place it somewhere else. But there's a lesson that we learn in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah uh, wanted to um, offer again against the Baal prophets. It says at that verse, he went to Mount Carmel and he built the altar exactly at the place where it was. And the word that is, uh, that is used there is that he healed the altar with 12 stones for the 12 tribes. Now, the 12 mm. tribes is not just Jew, Judah and the Jewish people. It's the 10 tribes that also needs to come in. And then he waited for a very specific time that he made his offering. So what do we see here? A specific place with a specific time and God met him there. The same happens with Jerusalem. It is a very specific place that we need to understand Wherever you see the places of inflammation in, in Israel, you know that that's where God needs to do something. In Hebron, that's a place of inflammation. Um, the three places in the Bible where we have the contract in the Bible that we, we bought that place is Jerusalem with King David, Hebron with Abraham that bought it, and then also the tomb of, of Yosef in Shechem. And on all three of those places, there's tremendous political friction. It tells you that that is the place where we need to go. And that's where we need to, to focus on again. Very good. And I, I love uh, those sort of three real estate transactions that kind of cement, uh, you know, the, the ownership of the Jewish people in, in those locations. And of course, the significance is much deeper, as you've already, as you've already said. Now, you mentioned uh, a term, and I don't want to skip over this because, you know, sometimes people get confused about uh, Jerusalem and Zion. Uh, talk to us about the term Zion. Uh, what does it mean? Where did it come from? And, and, you know, exactly to what are you referring there? Wonderful. So the, the actual name in, in Hebrew is Zion. And where do we see this the first time is when David takes the city, 2 Samuel 5 verse 7, it says, and David took the city and he, he called it, he took stronghold of Zion, Zion, and he called it the city of David. Again, 
why did this happen? With the judges, all the judges ruled from their respective cities. Even Shaul, Saul, ruled from his hometown. It's only when David came that he moved to Jerusalem. And firstly, we know that he had seven and a half reign Hebron in Hebron before he moved to Jerusalem. Why did he come to Jerusalem? Because that's the place where he could um, unify the, 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 um, the tribes. Also, uh, the border between Benjamin and Judah runs right over Temple Mount. So with this, um, David said, okay, I'm going to not play favorites. Jerusalem is, 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 is the common ground um, for everybody. And therefore, I will not play favorites only to my tribe, but to everybody. But the place was called Zion. Now, Zion is spelled exactly the same way as Tzion. Tiyun means a marker. When we go to Jeremiah 31 verse 21, it says here, erect markers, um, set up signposts, and keep in mind the highway by which you traveled, O maiden Israel, so that you can return to your towns. This is a story of Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> this is a story of putting the breadcrumbs and that we have to come back. And mm. the word here is Tiyun, which is exactly spelled Zion. So what is Zion for us? What is Zion for us, Jeff? It is the marker to which all of us will return. Because we also know in Psalms, um, I'm, I'm not sure, I think it's Psalms 127. I have to check that. Um, but in one of the Psalms, it actually says that every man was born in Zion. It means all our souls hmm. are connected to Zion itself. And that's why Zion is a marker to which you can focus. Because in the world that is just pulling everybody apart, the Jewish people understood that doing that focus keeps us on focusing on what God wants and where he will lead us at the end. A lot of things can happen, um, Jeff, but if you have a place that you know that you have to travel towards and you have that marker, it gives you that, that motivation and inspiration to just keep on going. But if you have no marker, you can get lost. And that's why mm -hmm. God in the Bible gave us from the beginning, Tion as a marker so that we can follow that. And just to clarify for people watching, listening, Zion or Zion is uh, this in the city of David. It's located right in that location, correct? Correct. Um, uh, Har Zion today is not where it is. Uh, if you go and visit Jerusalem today, you will see that Mount Zion points completely in the direction where it actually is not. The true location which we only discovered 150 years ago, lies at the southern point of Temple Mount. That mm. is that is Zion, but we also know that Zion has a, has a much higher and deeper spiritual understanding, but it also speaks of the people. Am Israel, the Jewish people, is also called Zion. My second name is Bat Zion, the daughter of Zion. So we are all connected also in our essence as a people, as Zion. And that's why the focal point of the people of Israel coming back to Jerusalem, Zion, returning to Zion, has a tremendous power um, inherently built into it as well. Yeah, I love that idea of, of a, a marker, uh, sort of a, a point which we sort of move towards. You know, I, I think about a, a compass and the idea of true north. And really, um, 
you know, I've experienced this. I've felt this. You know, Jerusalem is is kind of one of those uh, physical locations where uh, there is a spiritual connection, and and we're drawn. We we really are. Once we make the connection, we're drawn back to Jerusalem uh, constantly. I know that I feel that way. I know most of the people that we bring on a tour to Israel, when we get to Jerusalem, they, they all talk about having that same sort of connection to, to the place. And of course, we know it's more than just the geographical place. It's, it's the eternal dwelling place of God. You know, God, God says in a few places in the, in the Tanakh, you know, that, that this is my, my town. This is where I'm going to place my name forever. It's my eternal dwelling place, right? And so um, that's just a, a wonderful and a beautiful thing. Um, I want us to think a little bit now about the spiritual lessons that we can learn uh, from the, the rediscovery of Zion. You know, you, you talked about some of, of that connection, uh, you know, the marker, but, but what are some of the spiritual lessons that we learn and, and how can they be relevant to even to Christian believers today? Help us with that. So Jeff, you stood in the place where we have the, the palace of uh, the Davidic dynasty. It was discovered by Elat Mazar. Um, she passed away a week ago. Um, yes. A week and a half ago. It, it's very sad for us. Um, I, I still can't get over it. This woman was uh, a Tion in, in, in so many um, ways. So she discovered the, the palace of King David. And we have also in Jeremiah this verse that says, it, it basically says that the, the, the city will again be built on her tell and the, the palace on its proper place. And you saw it. You saw where, we, where she discovered that. What happened there? How did she discover it? She went to um, the Israeli Antiquities Authority and to the people of the city of David, to the organization that oversees everything. And she said to them, guys, I think that you built your visitor center right on top of um, the actual palace. And they said, well, that's a, that's a great claim. We're not just going to tear down everything that we just built. Why do you say that? And she gave three reasons and um, that, that I'm not going to go into right now, but basically they said, but Elad, we also felt that way. We did dig, but we didn't get anything. So we moved on with our plans. And then she gave this answer, Jeff. She said, you didn't dig deep enough. Hmm. And this is what happens in right. our lives. Sometimes we have this unction that we need to follow something, but we don't follow through. And then you start and you give up. You fill everything up and then you start building what you think is your idea of what God wants. And at that point, what happens is when God, God is not going to leave it. He's going to get you to do what you need to do. So that means you're going to have to break down everything that you've built. You're going to have to get to the place where you last left it. And then you, you're going to have to go deeper until you get to the bedrock. And that's mm -hmm. where you're going to see the blueprint of the ancient world that will tell us, um, that also tells us about God's governance. So, so just for, for the listeners here, if you have an unction, you have to follow through. Jerusalem is even today giving us these examples. The other one that you know very well as well is the Shiluach pool. We sort of knew more or less that it was going to be at the southern point, but because of the political situation right now surrounding this very important um, area, you can't just go and dig because then you have the whole world 
as usual on you. And I want to say something on the side here, Jeff. It's very interesting that the World Heritage Organization that is supposed to help the, uh, all the heritage sites in the world to, to make sure that we uh, preserve it, according to them, the Jerusalem of the Bible doesn't exist. Jerusalem only belongs to one religion and that only, and that is to Islam, uh, where we just said that Jerusalem doesn't even appear in the Quran. Um, so when we dig in the, in the city of David, they don't like it. And they also, through many petitions through the UN, have asked to halt the excavations in the city of David because it does not fit their narrative. That's mm. a time when you have to keep on digging. So, so what we did is, yeah. So what <laughs> we um, did is we, we couldn't just dig. So God sent a miracle. He, he allowed a sewage pipe to burst. <laughs> and it was just one <laughs> big miracle. Yeah, and because of that, we had to clean it up. And as we cleaned up, we started to dig because now we, Everybody has to clean up, right? You can't leave that mess there. And while they were cleaning up, Eli Shukrun, uh, another archaeologist that was working just around the corner, came to see all the time what was happening. And he heard one day the, the sound of metal on stone. So when the scrapers came and they started to clean up and he said, wait, that's not dirt, that's stone. And they started to open up and they, they saw one ancient stone. And as they started to open up everything else, we started to see the, yeah. um, the, the Shiluach pool. So what do we learn from this is sometimes it's going to send a tremendous mess into your life in order for you to clean up and to get to the place that purifies you. Isn't it interesting? He could have chosen so many methods. But the wow. Shiluach pool was the place where the mikveh was before you go and meet God, the place where you cleanse yourself before you have your meeting with God. And in order for us to, to discover that, he sent the opposite and a sewage pipe, and we had to clean ourselves up in order to get to the place where we can actually clean ourselves and purify us in, in a deeper relationship with him. So that's two lessons. There are so many, Jeff, but I think um, those are the main lessons that we can take with us. Wow, that's great. And uh, those will be lessons that I think we can even pull out of this podcast and, and use in other ways and, and encourage people. I think that that's fantastic. Now, listen, Jerusalem has a, a divine destiny. Uh, you know, we, we talked earlier about the two Jerusalems, about the, the, the uh, earthly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, we're moving towards something. And I wonder if you could just tell us, you know, what is the divine role of the nations regarding Jerusalem's destiny, according to the Bible, how can we participate in this and, and move toward it together? Okay, so we're going to have to go to Zechariah, to Zechariah again, and Zechariah 14, where it speaks about um, that the nations will come up during the, the festival of Sukkot in the end of days, after Gog and Magog and everything has happened. Um, and it says that those who will not come up will not have rain. Why is this important? Because the, the festival of Sukkot has everything to do with us praying for rain. Rain is significant of God's unconditional love and blessing. Um, in the time of Sukkot, also the Jewish people had to offer 70 bulls 
for the 17 nations. That's where Israel is a light unto the nations. This will return as well. Everything is going to return to the temple again and the temple service and the, and the festivals that goes around that, Jeff, because it's not, it's not um, we, we haven't lost these festivals. Uh, uh, they were the heartbeat and the circulation from the heart um, that in the, in the ancient times, it was only for the Jewish people. But now we know that the Bible also says that it will be a house of prayer for all nations. It means mm. that the, at the times when we go into the thousand year peace reign, the nations will have to come up as we did on a micro scale in the times of um, Solomon and when the temple stood. Now it's going to be on a macro scale where the whole world will be literally circulated through Jerusalem in order to have that connection with God. Why? Because also Jerusalem is the place where earth kisses heaven. It's the place where Jacob had the dream of Bethel, of the house of God. It's the place where the angels go up and down. Um, the sages also teach us that this conduit of God's absolute provision into our lives was broken when the temples were destroyed, but it will again be restored. And in that day, the knowledge of God will spread over the earth like the waters cover the sea. So that, that massive conduit of the shefa, of the flow of um, God's presence back into this world and also his providence and his provision and his knowledge will come through Jerusalem. Also, when um, somebody passes away, their journey, because we saw in Psalms, everybody's born there, their journey comes all, also back through Jerusalem. So, so in everybody's soul journey, whether it is now or in the future, I believe we're going to make that future. We're going to see that future with Mashiach. We will be this generation. That's why it's so important for us to have the consciousness of Jerusalem and to make it the focal point again, because Jerusalem is going to unify not only the Jewish people this time, it will unify again the 12 tribes, but it will unify the world and the nations under one reign with God. Mm, very, very good. Now, uh, we're getting sort of to the point where we're going to be wrapping up here, but uh, I want to ask you one last question, and, and you referenced it briefly just a moment ago when you were talking about the excavations at the City of David. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, anti-Semitism is really uh, coming to the forefront again in our world today. We've seen it, personally, we've seen it uh, through this recent conflict, uh, very, very, very strong and hateful things that uh, have been posted on our Facebook page and, and things like that when we step up to defend Israel. But it's, it's, it's more subtle even than that because it's, it's made its way into, uh, you know, into the, the, the uh, UN and uh, those organizations that are put in place, as you said, to protect heritage. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and, and how can we fight that? How can we advocate for that as, as Christian believers, as anyone really who's listening and wants to be supportive of what is happening, uh, you know, around Israel and, and Jerusalem. I think firstly, if we can just acknowledge what's happening in Jerusalem right now, like we said, that people are trying to cover up literally um, the proof that we already have. Um, the second thing is we have to have a consciousness. Jeff, we're going to get to a point where things are going to go sideways or south because the Bible mm. tells us it will do. 
the question is how do we carry ourselves in that because you have to pick your your battles you have to pick the um what you're going to do and when you have to stand back because sometimes god says be silent because i'm going to fight the fight for you i think that we we have fought for 70 years the fight for jerusalem and the battle for for israel there's going they might become they might come a time where we're going to have like avram we have to lay it on the altar because then god gives it back we have fought for it right now. The, the child has grown. Um, when it reached its, its, its maturity, its place of strength, Abraham had to take Yitzchak and he had to put him on the altar. There comes a time when God is going to um, um, fight for us. But, but just before that is the massive test of letting it go and feeling that you're going to lose it. Mm. Um, the reason why I'm saying this uh, is we can also see embedded in the... In, in the um, new government that we have right now, we already have those two pathways that can split. Um, and it comes in a time that we are very close to, to the prophecies being fulfilled. What do you do at that moment? Number one, you first connect yourself in your consciousness with Jerusalem and God. When you stand, then you can start connecting yourself with other people. If you don't have that consciousness, you're going to be the weak link. So first link up with God and with his understanding with Jerusalem, then you start linking with people with the same consciousness. And the thing that we also need to understand is it doesn't help to preach to the choir because they know this. There are also people that will never get this because they are the ones that will have to bring the resistance. Don't even mm. bother to change them. In the middle, there is people that just don't have the knowledge and you have to reach those people just by saying to them, do you know what's in the name of Jerusalem? Do you know what's going on in Jerusalem? Make it a, a point of, of, of speaking to people. But mm. when you see that people are adamant, not wanting to listen to you, let it go. Because it means that you are wasting time on people that you can't reach. And the person that can be reached is a soul that needs to be reconnected to Jerusalem. The rest God will take care of. Um, so in, in unity, standing in a consciousness of what's happening is your biggest weapon right now. Um, giving over to God to let him fight the, the final battle for us. That, that is also where we are heading towards. But to have the discernment when to fight and when not to, I think that's our biggest uh, challenge right now. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And we just appreciate always when we have the opportunity to connect with you and learn from you. And I suspect that this will be uh, another of many opportunities that we have to do that. We look forward to covering some other topics in the future, but uh, Honorina, all the best to you and uh, happy recent anniversary. I know you've just been married for over a year now and uh, we'll get used to the new name, no problem at all. And uh, wonderful to have you with us. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, thank you for tuning it in to Keeping It Israel today. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Anna Rina Kreisman from Align with Zion. Uh, Anna Rina brings some amazing perspective to the truths about Jerusalem as, as a city, its significance in the Bible, but also its significance and its relevance to us today. I believe we have much to learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we pray that uh, we'll have great times with Anna Rina and many others in the future as they teach us insights from the Orthodox tradition. 
First Century Foundations is a ministry that exists to support the land and the people of Israel and to educate Christians about the Jewish roots of our faith. We're a charity and we rely on your generous donations. And so if you like this show, if you like the podcast, please consider giving to help support the costs surrounding putting out this this podcast on a regular basis. You can visit FirstCenturyFoundations.com to learn about the many humanitarian projects that we support in Israel and to find out how you can be a part of the critical work that we do. Thank you for giving. Your generosity is making a huge difference in the lives of people in Israel today. Please don't forget to subscribe on YouTube if you're watching there. If you are listening on your favorite podcasting platform, you can also subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. That would be so helpful. Follow us on Facebook to stay up to date with all that we're doing as a ministry and with a lot of information that we post there regarding Israel and what's happening in Israel today. We remind you that the land and the people of Israel have a special place in God's heart, and they play a critical role in history. So, more than ever before, as Christians, we stand with Israel. Israel.